everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of The Insatiable Appetite. I've got an exciting guest here with me today who I'll introduce shortly. Uh, I'm David emerson Fite, Vice President of Strategic Insights here at the Hartman Group, and today we'll together explore some specific issues arising from online grocery shopping. And today we begin by wondering, why do frequent online grocery shoppers still shop in-store more frequently than non-online shoppers do? So now for a bit of background, grocery shopping online is supposed to be the ultimate convenient solution. I mean, right? That's what, that's what people say. According to the 2019 U.S. Grocery Shopper Trends Report, which uh, we develop at the Hartman Group in conjunction and collaboration with FMI, the Food Marketing Institute, it seems that, in fact, though, consumers who frequently grocery shop online still visit brick-and-mortar stores as much as, and in some cases more than, those who do not grocery shop online at all. So apparently these online grocery shoppers also tend to spend more on groceries than people who don't grocery shop online. But this raises a number of questions. So, for example, does this mean that online grocery offerings are somehow failing to make life more convenient for shoppers, or, or what? What else could be going on here? So I'm here with President and CEO of FMI, the Food Marketing Institute, one of the true leaders of food in America, Leslie Saracen, to talk more about this finding. So thank you, Leslie, for being part of this conversation today. Well, thank you so much for having me join you, David. I'm happy to be with you today and always glad to discuss grocery shopping habits. As you can imagine, that's a favorite topic of conversation at FMI. And we've been doing the U.S. Grocery Shopper Trends Research for about 45 years now. And every year as we monitor how people are changing their shopping, we find something interesting to dive into a little bit more deeply. So this year, the deep dive has been into the topic that you just raised, and that's the topic of personalization. Basically, what shoppers want, and in some cases don't want from their retailers as they seek to fulfill their grocery shopping goals. Um, so a key element is better understanding how consumers are using online grocery shopping as one way among many to meet their personal household needs. Yeah. Um- Leslie, personalization is definitely an interesting frame on this, uh, you know, because we, as we examine how shoppers are personalizing their channel mix by including uh, online transactions among all sorts of the other things we do, we see it doesn't really appear to detract from their in-store shopping. Instead, it's, it's almost as if it's a, just another channel or touch points that shoppers are using to meet their regular grocery shopping needs. So, I mean, I guess that raises the question, like, why do you think that is? Well, I think just as no two families are like, these two family members have the same idea of what it means to eat well. Um, Just taking as as an example, my household, my college-age son prefers snacks. My husband wants lean protein meals and some things, by the way, to satisfy his sweet tooth, which I suspect he thinks I don't know about. Um, And I'm always trying to increase my own vegetable intake. So, you know, just in a, in a three-person household, we, the three of us have very different goals. Yeah, I mean, my household is the same way. We each have our own ideas of what eating well means and, and what we aspire towards. So for me, I tend to eat uh, pescatarian, and I'm always pushing us to eat together as a family. Uh, my partner uh, doesn't necessarily have quite as high a priority on eating together, but she's trying to get our youngest to uh, eat more protein, get more diverse nutrition, uh, and, and we partner on that. But uh, we, we used to have like four different types of milk in our fridge. You know, the, the whole, the, uh, the skim, the chocolate milk, and f- 
for me a, a plant-based milk. And, and now we've recently managed to reduce that to three. But I think a lot of a lot of households face a similar dynamic where they've got to diversify what they have on hand because so many people have diverse uh, self-perceived needs and tastes. I totally get it. Um, you know, based on the research that we've done, we know that about a third of households have at least one family member who's following a non-medically prescribed diet. And this rate's even higher for younger generations. So in an effort to meet their individual ideas of eating well, what we find is that household members are eating in increasingly personalized ways, in turn challenging the food shopping experience that, that we're all accustomed to. So to fulfill their own needs and their understanding of their family's needs, shoppers are turning to a variety of different stores and different venues, diversifying in an attempt to shop in accord with the dietary goals that they've set for themselves and they know their, their members have set. Yeah, the numbers we have surely back up uh, that, that same idea, the notion that shoppers are, are personalizing the grocery shopping by visiting a, a greater diversity, uh, a greater number of channels and banners. Uh, so like when we ask, you know, past 30 days, which, uh, which stores have you visited? We find shoppers visit an average overall, like across all adults, an average of 4.4 banners uh, per month. A banner meaning like a, a store brand, like a, a Kroger or Safeway, each one would be a banner. And then regularly shop 3.1 channels to meet uh, their diverse needs. And we know that channel fragmentation has grown in this way. We've seen the numbers going up uh, you know, year after year. Definitely true. Um, what shoppers tell us is that visiting all these different stores is how they meet their personal household needs. And while it might seem like a lot of running around, it's one way that I think shoppers customize their food shopping experience uh, to meeting well, and it gets back to that personalization thing, what works for them personally. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that. And yet, you know, I, I can understand why a retailer would continue to ask, like, why why can't you get your family's needs met all at one favorite store? And why can't that store be ours? Like, it, it does seem like there's some opportunity there for shopper-centric retailers to develop a solution that's going to attract all of this, uh, you know, all of this need and serve all of that need. So, so let's talk about how this relates to online grocery shopping. Uh, you know, going back five, six, or even seven years ago, when FMI and uh, Hartman first started tracking online food shopping and the, the online behaviors, we found that 16%, so that translates to like one-sixth of adults said they were food shopping online, at least occasionally. And in the five years since then, that number has, has really doubled. Uh, it's now 33%, or one-third of shoppers are using the online, you know, the so-called online grocery channel. Exactly right, David. But the thing that I find most interesting about this new data, uh, even more interesting than perhaps the growth that you've cited, is the source of the growth. Um, you know, when we first started tracking this, millennials initially led the charge on online grocery shopping. But I think that's now leveled out a bit, and it's the Gen Xers who are engaging almost to the same extent as their millennial friends. And this year, we started looking at Gen Z shopping behaviors, and guess what? They jumped into the online shopping fray at nearly the same level that millennials had grown to. So it appears that for Gen Z, online will be an important part of their grocery shopping repertoire from the very beginning of their adulthood. And at the same time, it appears millennials' online shopping grocery habits are plateauing, at least to some degree, but we're watching that one carefully because we're not sure how that's gonna play out over time. And with online's reach apparently plateauing there, it might be that further growth of the online channel will come from increase in frequency 
rather than from winning over new users of online. Right. The reach might have plateaued, but there's the, the frequency has some room to grow. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a lot of upside there. Just looking at the online-centric retailers like like Amazon and Peapod and Fresh Direct, just looking at those like uh, you know online-centric banners, let's call them, um, and, and looking at the broad range of all the online services and purchasing touch points offered by food retailers, uh, incorporating all of that together, you get like 43% of shoppers have shopped for groceries online in the past year, but only half of those, so 21% overall, engage in any of this what we would call regularly on any kind of monthly basis. So that means that about half the reach is really very, very occasional. So like only 10% of shoppers report to be what we would call frequent online grocery shoppers. That is like at, at least once every couple of weeks, really in the ongoing rotation of channels and purchase methods. So that that 10% has lots of ways to grow to get up to the, the full 43. And this really goes back to um, who... Who are these frequent online shoppers, the ones that could really matter to these numbers about um, you know, overall uh, visits and overall visits to the store? And, and why, is it, are, why is it that they're utilizing both in-store and online to meet their household uh, food shopping needs? Well, as you can imagine, we're following that pretty closely as well. And I think um, frequent online shoppers broadly resemble the sorts of people who've long been described as the early adopters. And we're talking here about well-resourced millennials. They're heavily represented in this group, both from a high income and a high education standpoint. And we also, interestingly, find that men are slightly more inclined toward online grocery shopping. Our frequent online shoppers also tend to be urban, and I guess that seems pretty natural and goes with the young and well-resourced, but it also means these aren't necessarily people who have been underserved by brick and mortar retail. And also, and this one I think makes perfect sense, the most frequent online grocery shoppers tend to be parents with kids at home. Now, this is not the stereotype of the tech-focused early adopter or the fashionable singles with lots of disposable income. It's really a vision of the stretched new mom and dad looking for every resource at their disposal to accommodate their family's changing needs. And I can certainly attest to that. It sounds like you can as well. And then of, of most interest to me is that we see shoppers in the South tend to be more inclined toward online grocery shopping. Yeah, the South. Uh, yeah, we definitely did see this in our research. And even across some other, um, you know, a, a, a lot of the research that we do, we don't really have any conclusive understanding about why that would be. But we do know that the South has a, a fairly well-developed multi-channel retail landscape, such that shoppers there tend to use more channels more frequently in general, and not just online. Uh, but also probably, and maybe it's more relevant, that this is where demographers would note that the most urban population growth is happening with young adults moving to southern cities in great numbers. I mean, these are the cities where there's a lot of growth. Uh, and, you know, when we say the south, we're talking the census region. So that goes all the way from Texas up to D.C. So th- these are bringing with them, um, as they move to these cities, really less established local shopping preferences. So if you moved to the south from another region of the country, you might not have your the, the banner that you grew up with um, uh, or that your parents were shopping. And therefore, as they're trying these online options like their peers elsewhere, perhaps they've got a greater willingness to carve out a, a place for uh, online transactions and, and sources in their rotation of food sources. But, um, you know, Leslie, uh, you yourself are a southerner, uh, right? So, I mean, what do you think? Do you have got any theories about that? 
Well, I am a southerner, um, and maybe if we're talking about what's going on in the summer, some of these folks don't want to leave the comforts of their air-conditioned um, homes and would rather shop from the cooler areas uh, rather than being out in the humidity that we all live with in the south. But I don't know. You're really the, the research expert, David, so I'll leave the hypothesizing up to you on that one. Yeah, if this were like a call-in show, right now we'd be getting uh, all sorts of people, you know, ringing the phone off the hook with um, theories and southern accents. <laughs> but um, meanwhile, uh, these these millennials, these highly educated, you know, the upper class, the the, the males, the, the families with kids, and you know, maybe it is the South. Um, th- these are who our frequent online shoppers are, and what we see is that these frequent online shoppers also use just in general, a far greater number of banners in any given month. Um, that is an average of eight instead of you know, six or four uh, for less frequent online shoppers. So that is like, it's not just online that's making it go up by one on average. You know, they've got uh, a couple above the average for number of banners per month. And among those who don't shop, shop, online, don't shop online at all, we're talking about, it's like 3.6 banners per month. So it's double, more than double, the number of banners per month for these frequent shoppers. So these online shoppers, these pe- these are really people who um, uh, shop around, I guess, as, as Smokey Robinson might say. They're shopping around to meet their needs. Well, I think that's right. Um, definitely it's the case that these frequent online grocery shoppers also have a higher number of average weekly grocery trips and weekly trips to the primary store than the monthly, occasional, or not at all online shoppers. I also found this really fascinating, um, and the data has been very interesting in the last couple of years to show this, um, because these frequent online grocery shoppers spend more than other online grocery shoppers. Their total weekly grocery spend is roughly 22 to 50% higher than other online grocery grocery shoppers, and I just think that's fascinating, um, wonderful as well. I mean, what? I mean, uh, that is. I mean, why do you think it's happening? Are these uh, frequent online shoppers just like shopaholics, or, and you know, and what, you know, are, what are the business implications of that? Um, I mean, what does this mean for the the industry? Well, it could be that there's some um, shopaholic behavior going on out there. I don't know, but I think there are also a, n- a number of other reasons for this. Um, and I think one is that this demographic's in the spending years of their lives. Um, I think just anecdotally, the older millennials on the staff here at FMI are beginning to buy houses, they're having kids, and investing in more of the material items in life. And I think it's just the time in their lives when they're high volume consumers. And online is now another way for them to purchase what they want and get it when they want it. Um, And I think that works in grocery too, um, because those that have have kids now have an added incentive to think more deep uh, what kinds of food they're buying, uh, what they have at home, what they're serving their children. They're doing more menu planning than they've ever done before. And I think some of this just gets expressed in more food shopping and more strategy going into the efforts around grocery shopping. Yeah, I mean, I guess this might be a lucky thing if you're you're an online retailer. And and retailers offering any kind of online to delivery option should see more business from these, these larger households. Like if they look at their customer base, the large households would be the ones they're going to end up with more in their shopping carts, and that by itself, that's going to make it easier to justify whatever delivery fees they might uh, be, might be charging. Um, so the household economics of this make make online uh, more attractive to these larger households. And plus, with the, a longer list for these families to keep track of, some of the online tools for remembering and, and like leveraging your purchase history 
uh, probably have some special benefit to these families. Uh, just you know, longer lists, more to keep track of, and therefore the incremental uh, benefit of these digital tools uh, could be could be greater. And then you know, the tendency you were talking about before for individuals and families to recognize a diversity of personal eating needs that that might very well be multiplied in larger households. So the more people there are in the household, the more diets you've got to manage. So regardless of whether there's some kind of hidden cause and effect between online shopping and personalization, there's surely a need for retailers to support personalization both in the store and online, especially for, for family households, not just the you know people who eat alone who might have a chance to uh, personalize their eating a little bit more effectively. So if you're, if you're supporting and driving personalization, you really need to be elevating online uh, in, your, in your mix and vice versa. So uh, beyond these overlapping demographics, um, uh, what other implications do you see? Well, I, I think this is the classic example of why food retailers need a both-and strategy, not an either-or and when it comes to online grocery shopping. Because if shoppers what, want what they want when they want it, food retailers need a seamless um, really a smooth and, and just seamless experience with both their in-store and online experience that meets shoppers' needs. So your in-store experience might specialize, for example, in an amazing fresh food experience. But if your delivery or your click-and-collect service isn't offering the same kind of high level of customer service, you're going to miss the opportunity to meet that shopper's needs on all fronts. So this is something that we're working very closely with um, our companies within FMI to help them understand the importance of the need for this seamlessness in the, in the shopping experience between in-store and online. Interesting. So food retailers just uh, generally really need to view their online experience as an extension of their in-store experience and an extension of all the strategies they're doing in-store? Exactly right. The two just have to coexist and work to support each other. Great. Well, speaking of supporting each other, that's, I mean, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thank you, Leslie Saracen, for offering your insights into the frequent online grocery shopper and grocery shopper trends. And also, I should say, for all the collaboration uh, you and your team support uh, among uh, all our research efforts and also among all the people who are feeding America's families. Well, thank you, David. It's always a pleasure to talk about consumer shopping trends with you. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. And if your listeners are interested in learning more, they can download the 2019 U.S. Grocery Shopper Trends Report at fmi.org slash grocery trends. And we'd love for them to take a look. Well, great. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody who's listening. 